We have a new episode for you, and this episode, welcome to Haunting Live, guest Tim Weisberg, known from TNE's Hotel Paranormal, Nick Groff's Ghost Stalkers, and also hosts his own paranormal radio show, Spooky South Coast. If you like our content, hit the like button and continue to support us. It helps our channel grow. Visit our sponsor, The Most Gifted Psychics. Call 866-228-2883 and mention code word Haunting Live to receive 10 minutes for just $10. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. I'm Tim Weisberg. I'm the host of Spooky South Coast. Been doing that for the last 17 years. Uh, that is a, it's a radio show, but it's also, we podcast it out as well. So it has become kind of, you know, internationally known. And then uh, I'm also the host of a show called Midnight Society, which is on my own network, midnight.fm, that I formed with some friends after I got fired from Art Bell's old network. That's a whole different story. Uh, but then uh, I also work in some of the paranormal television shows. I've worked on Ghost Stalkers, uh, Ghost Asylum, Haunted Towns. And recently I've been in front of the camera on a few things, Weird Earth, Hotel Paranormal, and uh, and the famously haunted Amityville documentary. Sounds wonderful. Such a busy life, lots of uh, different filming works that you do. So today I want to touch a little bit about your personal background and your personal history, what you led you into being a paranormal investigator and researcher. So let's start there. What got you into the field? Well, I think like most people that do, I had experiences when I was younger, but what interested me wasn't just the weird things that were happening to me. Uh, like I was, you know, I had old hag syndrome. Uh, you know, I had this creature kind of on the shadows on the wall and against my crib when I was young. I mean, that's how far back I can remember. Uh, but then, you know, it was also things like one time I woke up in a different neighborhood and I have no idea how I got there. And my parents told me that never happened, but I distinctly remember it. It's all you know, weirdness. And then um, more and more, I would be interested in some of these strange phenomena. And I was lucky that my mom was freely open to talk about the ghost that was in her house when she was a kid and her and her sisters would talk about it. So that led me to the mindset that it's, it's okay to talk about these experiences. And of course, I would also be the weird kid that when every time we went to the school library, I would run right to the 100 section and start finding all the books on the paranormal, ordering the Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown series off TV. So from a, a young age, I was lucky in that I knew that this was actually something that was, you know, a legitimate pursuit and a legitimate thing that happens to people. Yeah, it does happen at a young age. That's how a lot of people sort of start their journey through spiritualism or through paranormal trying to figure out what happened to them. You mentioned you had some things happen to you. What's one big thing that you remember happening to you when you were young? Well, the, the thing that really convinced me that stuff like this does happen was, I mean, again, like I'd had little things happening my whole life, but when I was about 12 years old, uh, maybe, maybe 14, I don't know, it was somewhere in that range. Uh, my aunt and uncle lived in a haunted house in the Bridgewater Triangle. The Bridgewater Triangle is what's behind me here. And they bought this house. And when they moved in, they started having weird experiences, but they never told anybody about it. So I was there one night with my two cousins and my other aunt who didn't live there, her, my aunts who owned the house sister. And she was babysitting us while my aunt and uncle were out at some sort of an event. And as we're sitting there watching TV, we start hearing this bang, 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 bang. And so we run over to the window and it looks like the bulkhead doors to the basement are moving. So we think somebody's coming into the house. So my cousin goes and grabs his 22 rifle and he runs outside and I run down in the basement and we're trying to corner whatever the, this person might be. And we both get there to see these big steel bulkhead doors going up, bang, 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 even though there was no wind. And even if there was wind, it wasn't going to move those like that. And that's when we looked at each other and my cousin finally had to admit, yeah, my house is haunted. 
And sort of what did you do from there? Did you get into researching it, trying to figure out what was happening, or did you sort of accept it, or did you have a hard time accepting what happened? Or Yeah, so we're talking probably 1991, 1992. So this was a time when the paranormal was in the public eye. It was in the media, X-Files, things like that. But people weren't really talking about paranormal research with each other. I had a few friends when I got to high school that were interested in having these conversations. And that led to me finding more books that I could read to kind of absorb this. But then I put it aside. You know, you start doing other things in your life and you're still going to watch every ghost show that comes on TV. And back then they didn't have shows like Ghost Hunters. You know, it was things like, uh, you know, um, uh, Factor Faked and uh, sightings and shows like that. So, uh, you know, I'd always record those and watch those, but I kind of just started getting into other things. And then when Ghost Hunters came on TV and I realized, wait a minute, people are actually going out there and doing these things. That's when I started to get a little bit more serious about my research. That's when we started Spooky South Coast. And that's when I kind of put myself all in there as a paranormal researcher. Did you put a group together or did you mostly do it by yourself? So we we were a radio show from the very beginning. So I didn't really get caught up in any of the paranormal group stuff. You know, we would have paranormal groups that we would work with, but it wasn't like we were creating our own. But myself and the two Matts that I did the show with, Matt Moniz and Matt Costa, we would go out and do investigations and then we got to the point where we had like a little group of people that would come with us and we eventually started doing events. And so, you know, these days, most of my investigating is done for events that I'm doing as fundraisers for these places, because uh, to me, I don't I could never be the kind of person that's available for somebody to call because they have something going on in their house, because my own personal schedule, I feel like I wouldn't be there for them enough. You know, it's, you just don't go in there and do one investigation and then say, okay, good luck. Uh, it's You've got to be there for them all the time. And because I know I wouldn't be able to have that flexibility with my schedule, I, I always try to stay away from getting involved in the you know the paranormal group work. Yeah, that's the, the worst thing that you can do is, you know, tell somebody you're there to help them and then abandon them later. And I just wouldn't want to be that person. So from there, doing investigations and whatnot, what led you to getting onto TV and becoming a researcher for them? Well, it was, it was pretty interesting because I was friends with Jeff Belanger for a number of years. And if though, for anybody who doesn't know, Jeff Belanger is the writer and the researcher for Ghost Adventures. And he got me on, you know, when they were doing the Lizzie Borden episode, because I've been to the Lizzie Borden house so many times and had so many experiences. Uh, they had me come on and share those with Zach. And I met Nick Roth uh, the day that we were filming and we were just in conversation like, hey, we only live like an hour and a half away from each other. We should do more stuff together. And it just kind of, you know, obviously with his schedule, he didn't have that kind of time, but I guess I stayed in the back of his mind because when he left ghost adventures and started the show, ghost stalkers, he was looking for a writer and a researcher. Somebody could be similar to what Jeff was for ghost adventures. And he thought of me because of all the research I'd done into haunted places for the events that we were doing, but also because he knew that, you know, being friends with Jeff, I had an idea of what the job actually was. Whereas, you know, a lot of people would say, well, here's all my ghost research, but they would have no idea how to put it together for television. And I'd been picking Jeff's brain for so many years that I, I had a pretty good idea. I mean, I still fumbled my way through it, but um, it worked out pretty well. I think I still say to this day that it's the best six, the best six episodes of paranormal TV you've probably never seen. 
The great thing about New England is we're in the heart of it all here. I mean, when we were doing our radio show, we weren't even six months in and we had the TAPS members coming over Moniz's house for a barbecue. I know I, I went over there one day. He's like, come over. I'm grilling some meat and I got a guest here. And I walk in and Grant Wilson sitting in his picnic table. And, you know, we go to the casino and, and do the premiere events for the season episodes with with Jason and Grant. And, uh, you know, it was just being here in the heart of everything in the early days when it was all starting out. We were just very fortunate. In the early days, too, there wasn't much out there. So you guys were on the cusp of everything paranormal at that point, right? Yeah, I think there was maybe four like radio shows about the paranormal at the time. You know, obviously, Coast to Coast AM was out there. That was the biggest one. But in the early days, like Ron Kolick here in New England, he had a show, uh, still does. Uh, Ghostly Talk was a podcast that people were listening to. Uh, Jim Harold's Paranormal, you know, Jim, Jim Harold, Jim Harold's been around for a long time uh, doing this. And Darkness Radio started like a couple of weeks before we did. So it was really just this small group and there was, you know, a very small audience for podcasting at that time anyway. And then you get into a super niche subject like the paranormal and that's even less. So, you know, we, we started off the first episode, we got a hundred downloads and we're like, yay, we're a success. Did you find it hard to get into that field with the paranormal podcasting or was it something that kind of grew just you're lucky at that time frame that it grew really quickly? I was fortunate because we produced the podcast at a radio station. We actually air on the radio live Saturday nights. And I was doing a sports show for the station, WBSM, which is, uh, you know, proudly wearing the logo. So uh, not just because they give me shirts for free and that keeps me from having to buy clothes. But when I got the job there doing the sports show, because I was a sports writer, that's how I you know got into the media. Uh, started off covering pro wrestling, actually, and then moved my way up to covering the Patriots and the Celtics and but um, I was doing sports work for them and, and appearing on their weekly sports show. And the program director said to me one day, hey, we love what you do, but you're on with these other guys. Would you like to have your own show? And I said, well, yeah, I'd love to have a show talking about the paranormal. And he said, you mean like ghosts and Bigfoot and stuff? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, well, when do you want to do it? I said, well, the only thing that works in my schedule is Saturday nights at 10 p.m. And he said, yes, absolutely. You can come in and do it because that's like radio graveyard time. There's nothing on it. So we started doing that and, you know, that led to, we, we walked in and they had this little recorder box that they would use when they went out and covered news stories. And my producer, Matt Costa is just a genius. And he's like, we can use that box to record the audio from the radio. Uh, and then we can actually do this podcasting thing that people are trying. And we started off and, you know, and, and it was uh, January 27th, January 26th, 2006, and when we put it out there, we thought we'd be lucky if we got, you know, five people to download it. And we got 100 the first week. We thought that was a big success. And we start getting in the thousands. And, you know, now we're in the millions for downloads. But it, it really was just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. It's, it's really like if you have if you can create that type of content um, and, and it's not for everybody. I mean, obviously, you know, doing this show, you can't put yourself front and center is the star of everything you know you have it's all a, a it's all a symphony and you're just kind of the maestro conducting it all and i think that's where a lot of these shows and podcasts that are out there fail because they think that the people you know i, I once listened to a podcast that had rosemary ellen guiley on who is one of the legendary names in the field she's written so many books uh she passed away a few years ago but they have her on as a guest and all they're doing is talking about their own investigation that they did that weekend back and forth between the two hosts. And then they turn and they say, so what do you think about that, Rosemary? What do you think that might've been? And she's just, you know, she was the sweetest woman in the world. So she gives them this answer, but you're, you know, it's like, why would you have this great guest who has a wealth of knowledge just so you could talk 
to your co-host and then occasionally ask her to butt in, you know, and that's, that's where we try to take ourselves out of it right from the beginning and say, this show is about the topic and it's about the guests. That's number one for me as well as the guest comes first. Number one, that's what you're there to present to your audience. So they want to listen to what you're presenting. So you have to focus on whoever your guest is, obviously. So for sure, I agree with that totally. Especially in those days, because in those Ooh. days you weren't finding, you know, it wasn't like today where you can type in somebody's name and find all these things that they were a guest on. So people had to be invested in the show so that they would keep downloading the show. And if you just come on and talk about yourself and you're, you know, rude to your guests or ignoring your guests or asking dumb questions or whatever, people are going to get annoyed by that pretty, pretty easily. Like I, I always said, you know, for years, we're not the show. We're not the stars of the show. And it took Chris Balzano getting in my ear and saying, but people tune in because of you guys. And they love the way that you interact. They can hear those guests anywhere else, but they love to hear them with you in the way that you approach it. How did you get into Hotel Paranormal? That's where we know you mostly from. So I think that's one of your most known shows that you've been on. So how'd that start? I always like to say when it comes to that show, you know, because I'm on it and Dan Aykroyd narrates it and we share an IMDB credit, that basically makes me a Ghostbuster as far as I'm concerned. But that came about because uh, I got an email. Uh, a lot of times I get a lot of emails from people who want me to talk to them for certain shows. And usually I assume that when they talk, they want to talk to me, it's that they want research. They want information. They're not looking for me to be somebody on screen because I mean, look at me. So I'm like, I got a face for radio. They're going to want me to give them info and then they'll have somebody else kind of share their story. So I got this email and they said, we are interested in doing a show that focuses on uh, paranormal events that happen in hotels and motels and inns and bed and breakfasts. And do you have any cases like that. And I said, eh, a few, you know, obviously I've done the Lizzie Borden. It's 20 minutes from my house. I've done it numerous times, dozens of times. And so I thought they were just going to have me talk about that. And the more that I talked with them, the more they said, you know, we would like to use you for covering all the cases. And if you, if you know about them, great. If you don't know about them, we can give you some background information or you can, you know, uh, just kind of talk generally about it. And some of the cases, of course, are famous places like the Lemp Mansion, you know, the Winchester Mystery. You go to some of these places and you're like, OK, I know I know what they're talking about, so I can talk about this. Other cases I wasn't so familiar because they were mostly, uh, you know, just like a Motel 6 or a Holiday Inn or, you know, a place that doesn't have a famous story, but it has this great story from somebody who experienced it there. And so I just went in there and they would just answer any of their questions. And they liked what I did enough that they used me in every episode of season one. They brought me back in season two, and I think I was in all but one episode of that. So I must have given them pretty good answers. Well, obviously you had the background for research capability too. Like you know what you're doing when it comes to researching things. You have that knowledge in your head probably about certain places, like you said. And but you, you know, a, out, so. a lot of people have that knowledge, and they say, "Well, how come I don't get re people don't reach out to me and have me be on TV or on you know all these things?" And I always say, "Well, there's also the presentation of that information too." And because it's what I do for a living, I'm just naturally good at presenting. And also from being on the other side of the microphone, interviewing people, whether it be for radio or for my sports work or whatever, uh, my news coverage that I did for years, you 
you know what you're looking for from people. And I try to give that to the people when they talk to me. So they don't want me to ramble on for 20 minutes about something and say, uh, and then, uh, you know, I can give them like pretty clear, concise stuff and I can give them, you know, the cliffhanger answer that they're looking for. So you and I are talking and I say, and that's when I got thrown up against the wall by something I couldn't see. Miss one of our episodes? Replay your episodes on Rhode Island Broadcasting, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. EST. Show your support for Haunting Live by supporting our broadcast partner, Rhode Island Broadcasting. Find them on YouTube. The paranormal can happen at any time, so that's why our Etsy store is always open. Get your paranormal items from cleansing to protection to attraction. All available now on our Etsy store. Search Haunting Live.